welcome from Amsterdam, and thanks for tuning in to a new episode of Game Consultant. Your host of today is Reinout. Hello, and welcome to episode number seven, Game Consultant. It was quite a week, I would say. Uh, lots of rumors, and in the end, it got confirmed. GDC has been delayed. And right away, that makes me think, like, how can you delay such an event at large? Um, so we have so many gaming events anyways. And during the summer, it's, I think, what's, what is their next option? Um, bearing in mind that we have Gamescom in Cologne. Very interesting event. Lots of people are going there and uh, talking to some people in the industry. We all agree that we actually have two main events, I would say GDC and Gamescom. And in both cases, lots of people around the world um, are actually traveling towards these conferences. So um, if, if GDC would actually prepping something like, uh, let's say, July or something, I think a lot of people will come to, uh, to a point where they have to choose whether they go to San Francisco or to Cologne in Germany. In any case, um, I, I, I read up on a few things and I've seen a few things like online events, um, uh, which I will discuss a little bit later during this episode. But anyways, um, today, latest news, gaming in Israel by Guy Startup in Gaming. Daniel of Colby Games is telling me some nice ins and outs. A student apartment. Oh, man. Uh, they've done really well. Uh, another game consultant, Jay. And companies to watch. We have Utomic, Anzu, and Cardell. And uh, Cardell, actually, um, it's all about Africa, the continent of Africa, emerging market. So... Um, it was also the week where we actually did read about Roblox raising $150 million. I mean, uh, really good. So um, let's roll. So every week I want to make a selection of uh, some news items that um, I saw passing by. And um, what I was just saying, Roblox raised 150 million Series G of George. I mean, how about that? It's uh, Andreessen Horowitz that has valued the company in $4 billion. And um, so for people that don't know, Roblox is an, uh, it's an online gaming platform. And uh, about, I would say, 100 million, 110 million uh, players per month. And um, the company will also open a tender offer for up to 350 million of common and preferred shares. So lots of movement over there. Um, something I will definitely dive into uh, next week or the week after to see if I can get some uh, feedback from the company itself. But um, um, it, one, one paragraph uh, was very interesting uh, that landed in my inbox. The funding comes at a period of significant growth for this platform. 
Just last summer, it was being visited by 100 million users topping Minecraft and its developer community. Over 2 million actives earned 110 million in 2019, up from around 70 million in 2018 and 40 million in 2017. So from 40 to 70 to 110. I call that very nice growth. Um, then I had something else. So we talked a bit about um, GDC and events that are being done. Uh, there are there are some online events, and also I, I read up about uh, Plan B, uh, which is happening. Um, it's uh, um, meet and match. Uh, the guys are coming up with something. I will put all those links um, on uh, on the site. Dirk Smith, obviously with Bistec, uh, he was planning already something with San Francisco and gaming. So um, now there is a free event that you can attend uh, March 16 to 20. So all in all, uh, though GDC has been cancelled for now, and whenever it's, it's going to be organized, we'll see, um, there are appearing uh, a couple of options. I saw Jay coming with an online event, Jay Powell, which I will discuss later on who Jay is and what he's doing. Um, but I, like I said, uh, Fedor, Meet and Match, Dirk uh, of uh, Game Bistec. Um, so various things. And then, of course, people that will travel to San Francisco anyways. Um, they can meet in bars, hotels, wherever. And the interesting part is, is that um, then I'm going uh, ahead with some news. Game Dev... GameDev.world will raise money to provide relief for developers affected by GDC postponement. Um, GameDevWorld is a non-profit uh, group um, dedicated to creating online events for game developers. And they actually announced that it will raise money for indie developers that have been affected. And I guess that will be a shitload of them. Um, GDC normally being visited by 30,000 people. Um, as said, it's been delayed. Um, so, yeah, I think as an industry, and I, I, I wrote a small post on, on LinkedIn, uh, it's not only the indie developers that we should look after, but also the game, uh, sorry, the, the event organizers. Or for that matter, the game event organizers. Well, Seth Ryan, thank you. Um, I do think that a lot of these organizations, people that work uh, for months at a, on an event, um, this is also disastrous for them. I mean, um, I don't know in which shape and form GDC will be organized, but it, it, it's, it's going to be different, I guess. And um, am I going to miss it? Yes, we're going to miss it. Uh, is it different in... July or August, yes, it is. And and if I have to choose between uh, Cologne and San Francisco, yeah, I, I do opt, I think, for Cologne. Less travel, uh, easier to reach, of course, yeah. Well, for a lot of Europeans, it might be more the Gamescom. So I hope both events will actually communicate with each other and do what is best for the industry. So... Um, Let's park GDC for now, but um, yeah, to all the event organizers out there, 
if you have troubles or you would like to give your feedback, um, do contact me. And 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 um, like I said, I think as as an industry, we need to assist or help or support all those event organizers. Anyways, here we go. Um, big shout out to Kama Games. Um, I've been following them for quite a few years and, and um, they're very known from uh, the game Pokerist. Their revenues actually went up to almost 91 million in uh, 2019. And that came up from about 65 million. Um, company is based Dublin, so Ireland, social casino game company. And um, about... 8% in growth. So <clears throat> they're doing very well. They're privately held. And um, what I'm reading, Andrew, who is the CEO, said in an interview, it, exis- it, <laughs> it exceeded its own forecast in profitability. Well, I think he's using that sentence for the last two to three years. So, uh, Andre, here's on, on for 2.20. I hope you can use the sentence in 2021. Again, um, that leaves me with some other news that I've found. Interesting, always about data. Um, Epic. Epic raised questions about the figures of super data. Um, they basically claim that super data has repeatedly published uh, inaccurate numbers, and I assume that it's more disturbing for Epic that they are projecting that numbers are declining. Although I'm not reading if Epic is saying that it's the other way or it has stagnated. Uh, what they are saying is we are disappointed that Superdata has repeatedly published inaccurate reports about Fortnite based on what we believe is questionable methodology, actually. <clears throat> that is questionable. Um, Superdata responded. Uh, they responded to gamesindustry.biz saying, uh, what are they saying? Let me look. Oh, yeah, saying it has a proven methodology and a validation process and standing behind its previously reported Fortnite numbers. Yeah, interesting. Um you know, it's it's sort of a reference. I mean, uh, my friends over at Newzoo, they are uh, they launch uh, reports like Superdata, and um, yeah, obviously they can't look into the quote unquote kitchen of all these game developers, but they have some references. And um, how should an industry use these kind of numbers? Obviously, I'm seeing those numbers daily in pitch decks, presentations. Uh, press releases, you name it. Sometimes I'm really thinking like, oh, God, really? But for the last one or two years, we can say that revenues have been staggering. Uh, uh, more games, more revenues are being made in this industry. And uh, lately, I see a lot of reports from both companies about esports because that's hot property right now. I have a little thing that I want to mention on that uh, after this. Um um, but both and some other companies, uh, so Superdata, Newsu, and others, um, are uh, sending these these reports to the media. The media is writing about it, 
And I would say to all the analysts uh, out there myself, I think we use it as a reference. Um, are they exact data? Mm, I don't know. But in fact, I don't care. As long as I see it's projecting that it's going up, that's good. It gives an idea of how different kind of games are coming along during the last months and what is the prediction for the upcoming months. So all in all, quite interesting. But in detail, I'm not so sure if I can trust these numbers. So Nuzu and Superdata, prove me wrong. Next. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Katowice goes without an audience, and that's all about esports. And that brings me, uh, well, I can tell so much. I actually saw a video. Uh, where did I see the video? I think I saw it on LinkedIn, and it was uh, an empty hall and uh, a stage, and the stage looked superb. <clears throat> really that's something that ASL is doing extremely well. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it was empty. So very curious how that actually will come along. And then uh, moving on to something else. Um, on LinkedIn, I saw that Phil, <clears throat> who is head of gaming uh, at Facebook, said something about packs. And a minor part of it, I want to... Uh, go a little bit more in detail. Um, so his findings about packs. Uh, everyone is talking about the coronavirus, or in this case, was talking about coronavirus. Blah 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 blah. Uh, obviously, two twenty marketing efforts, falling stock market. Hmm. Then streamers are overwhelming, overwhelmingly more platform loyal. Um, and that's interesting. Um, with, with, for example, Ninja going to Mixer is, uh, it's something I would like to know more about. So anyone out there, if you have an opinion, let me know. Um, lots of self identification with their platform. Hmm. Uh, Sony wasn't there. So as he is describing more time and visibility for indies. VR was present, but it felt less than the year before. That's what I'm hearing more and more. Um, then he's writing something that I'm uh, not going to say yet. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, okay, I'm going to... Um, most new interesting busy tech was laser-focused on esports, tournaments, betting, content distribution, scorekeeping, data, and all. And that's interesting because um, um, he actually came back with an, an, a point that I think a lot of people uh, are maybe not seeing or they're not familiar with esports in general. They only see the highlights. And that's what I was saying for a long time. Yeah, whenever you see something on social media, it's pretty much a highlight. And that's what I like from uh, two people that um, are actually um, uh, online and, and, and trying to uh, <coughs> trying to, to explain esports more in general. Um, the two that I'm actually following, uh, Chris Smith, he's an esports gaming influencer, as he calls himself, and uh, Chris Reed. And Chris Reed, actually, esports tech startup advisor content creator he's doing a podcast like me but he's doing it mostly on linkedin and actually 
compliments to him because I actually see quite an audience on um, on his shows on LinkedIn. Um, but I would definitely follow these two guys um, if you want to know more about esports. Um, but hey, uh, here it comes. Esports had a lot of issues in the industry that the industry is ignoring. There's a huge mid-season issue where teams only get massive attention during world championships. It's a hard narrative to fall throughout the year. It's hard to monetize because the reach of most esports teams are small, but compared uh, when compared to influencers. And many esports games are hard to follow unless you are a hardcore gamer. I feel like everyone in the esports industry is trying, try, <laughs> trying to solve problem number 374 before they solve problem number two. You know, um, I think I know something about esports, but um, this, this is something that uh, I've been hearing more and more. It, although we say it's for the mass, the professional side of things, it's, it's really for the hardcore user gamer. Um, and yeah, uh, there are a lot of also indie teams out there that I think find it difficult to survive and it remains sort of a hobby. Um, so brings me to think that I actually should make an episode all about esports and where different kind of people can comment. I mean, are you an indie team? Do you make money or is it a hobby? Is it fun? Is it maybe now starting to... <laughs> uh, be annoying that you can't actually make it to a league or a final. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, more stakeholders from the esports industry to get a sense of um, esports in general. So um, that's about the news. Besides the fact that Endgame Interactive closed three million seats. Why am I saying this? Well, uh, it was led by Makers Funds. So the investment will be used um, to develop cross-platform cross multiplayer games, something I always very much like. Additional investors include Supercell, Unity founder and CEO. No, that's not CEO, right? Games industry. He was the Unity founder, is the Unity founder, and was the CEO, David Helgerson, and the Twitch founders, uh, founder Kevin Lin. So... Um, I think that sums it up for the news of this week. Oh, yeah, Facebook cancels uh, their conference. Apparently, they have also growing concerns. So I guess um, that's not hot topics anymore. If there are, are any events in the next upcoming weeks, maybe two months from now, most likely they will be canceled. So my advice, check on your tickets, see if it's refundable, and... Um, Stay safe and healthy. That's normally how I always would end my episode, but this ends the news part. It's longer than else uh, than usual, but um, as said, I'm still learning and still working on my format, and this was news that I really wanted to share. A long-time game veteran. That's basically how I can call Jay Powell. Uh, the Power Group, uh, a video game consulting firm. And they're focused on business development, publishing, support, and licensing. 
and um, I reached out to him. Um, wanted to know a little bit more about his activities. What is he doing? Why is he doing it? And um, so one of the bad, what he says is uh, when I did ask him, like, uh, what are you doing? How should we see it? And, and then he says, well, someone who helps companies of all sizes and um, getting their message outside, reach the right target audience and uh, get them the best deals and partners for the product. And um, I think uh, um, with having his experience, uh, <laughs> he's a good man for the job. So we went on. Because I want to know how how is your agenda look like on a daily basis, and um, his answer was uh, no two days are the same. I'm sure you know that as well. And yes, Jay, <laughs> I know. Um, coffee and reading, at general, starts the day. Everything from business and consumer game news to business articles. Then I do pass through my email answering anything urgent and setting others off uh, to later in the day. From there, I may be consulting with clients, talking to prospective new clients or building relationships with new companies. His team is actually taking care of most of the pitching of products and Jay's focusing on new clients and building the new relationships. So all these years in gaming, tell me uh, your fun experiences. His answer is, I've been doing this more than 20 years. 20 years. I've forgotten more fun times than I remember at this point. These days, just producing our podcast is more fun than I've had in a decade. Jay, I can relate to it. <laughs> I get to share what I know and what, people, uh, and what the people I've worked with uh, for 15 to 20 years that they know. And we don't have to put on a suit and travel to a conference to do, to do just that. Uh, and that's, that's actually really funny. It's, it's sort of the same. Um, I started to do the podcast. I don't know why, but one day to another, I thought like, you know, I'm going to check it out. I found an app and now actually it's a little bit more work than I anticipated on, but it's fun to do so. It's fun to send out some messages to people and say, Hey, would you like to give me some feedback? And uh, besides that, I'm still learning. Um, I hope that everyone who's listening is learning or is getting to know new people and, and will reach out to them if, if it's relevant. So I can completely relate to what Jay was saying here. Um, how are you looking at the game industry at the moment? And I wanted to know, concerning growth type of games, his opinion. Well, his first line was, <laughs> was saying it. Same shit, different day. Smiley. There are always changes in the industry, but there's an awful lot that doesn't change and people don't think about it. The industry is in a good place. There's a lot of great games coming from smaller companies and there's plenty of space for them if the developers approach it in the correct way. VR is starting to take a good hold and it's getting to a point that it's affordable. Subscriptions uh, are opening the long tail. That's interesting. Um, something that we want to discuss 
uh, a little bit more in an episode or two from now. So subscriptions are opening the long tail of sales back for the teams up for the teams that manage it appropriately. Streaming has the potential to get any game out there in front of millions, and streamers make awesome playtesters as well. Most importantly, developers have options, lots of options. I agree. I agree. Different kind of marketing, different kind of marketing techniques. Lastly, do you have some advice for gaming studios? Typical Jay, very clear. When you don't enjoy it anymore, stop. Think about that. None of us got into the industry because it was the highest paying job we were looking at. We do this because we love games, we love making games, we love playing games, and we love watching other people play our games. If it isn't fun anymore, step back and reevaluate. Jay, uh, first of all, thanks for answering my questions. And secondly, um, you can really tell that you have 20 years of experience. Um, uh, if 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 you look today at all the options that game developers have, in a way, the industry has become more competitive. But on the other hand, you have exactly what he was saying, so many more options than in, in the beginning of uh, the industry starting to grow. Um, again, Jay, thanks. And let's keep in close contact. A couple of weeks ago, um, we all saw the news of um, Colibri Games being acquired by Ubisoft. I uh, met Daniel during a game conference uh, in Cologne, Gamescom. We um, <clears throat> we had a chat, and um, you know, um, he was sitting very relaxed. Uh, actually, we were sitting at a Dorint Hotel, which is across the convention, and. Um, it was nice sunny weather and um uh, we're sitting at a table and that's what i do more often i have a large table with chairs and people just uh sit down and talk and uh, i do my meetings introduce other people that's what i like to do anyways and um uh, you got great conversations and um so i reached out uh right after that acquisition. In fact, I reached out a little bit before and uh, Sneaky Daniel then said, no, no, nothing, nothing's cooking. And then uh, a week later, there was the news. Smart ass. Anyways, um, the questions I did ask, like, uh, when did you start Colibri? In 2016, he said, in a student flat in Karlsruhe. Ah, my German. Ganz gut, now. Um, we were a couple of students with high hopes, a little entrepreneurial experience, and lots of ambition. We started an overly ambitious game, failed miserably, started over and created what became Idol Miner Tycoon. Um, this, this is actually why I like the idea of <clears throat> having an item uh, startup in gaming, because um, I've also seen um, uh, some feedback from investors, how they actually look at pitch decks and how they then try to 
get a sense if a company could be successful. And one of the things I always tell and uh, which I read up on um, from an investor was like, okay, so um, we don't believe the first game will be the super hit. Um, it's more like learnings. The second should actually show that experience of the team is starting to work, some revenues, and then the third, the third should really do it. It's an uh, interesting way of um, how you look at um, uh, a young gaming company. Anyways, um, it right away also led up to the question, why did you start a company? It was a most natural thing. Everything we had done at the point was trying to find out how we could start a successful company. We never even considered to start a proper career. If Colibri had failed, we would have to try something else. <laughs> and that's exactly my point. Um, you just need to do. You need to overcome failings. You need to keep trying and um, keep your hopes also up. Um, as Jay also said, if it ain't any fun anymore, then um, quit. Can you share a fun moment? The company started operations in the flat uh, that Janosch and I shared. We brought the other founders in, start working, um, and started working, sorry. We hired our first interns, so quite a few people filled the flat during work hours. Then the landlord came by to check on why all the people were going in and out, and if something illegal was going on. It's not allowed to house commercial operations in a student flat. Hmm. <laughs> we simply told him that we are a group, a study group preparing for exams, but this didn't work. And we got a letter from his lawyer. <laughs> okay. That's actually, uh, 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 well, you always have the thing of, we started at the kitchen table. I can relate to that. And, um, but it's fun, uh, start at minimum, uh, have low cost as they call it bootstrap. And yeah, sometimes you have this little challenge, but that's to overcome any advice for other gaming entrepreneurs. And guess what? Never give up, never accept a no, go the whole nine yards yards. If you really want to start a company, ask for advice, pick the minds of others. Thank you, Daniel, but never accept advice blindly. And that's, that's something too. It takes entrepreneurial spirit. So you have a lot of people that are trying to give you the best advice. And, um, it's good that you actually look in your network, talk to people. And that's exactly why gaming conferences are so very important. Um, uh, you get to, see lots of people and it i think it's because of you are not only doing the one-on-ones but you meet people in a group sometimes for a dinner or for a drink and then you get the informal talks and the informal talks are the most valuable in the industry they basically show you the ups and downs that people are facing and um to that, I think, uh, really happy that although GDC is being delayed, there are still other options, as I mentioned earlier in this episode. Daniel, 
good luck with Ubisoft and um, thank you very much for answering these questions. Gaming in Israel. Um, I wanted to make that item already for quite a while. Um, um, but, but in the end, um, there were a few other items uh, that I had already on the shelf. And, and so I reached out to Guy. Uh, Guy is CEO of Uzo Games and chairman of GameIS. Um, I have his links, obviously, um, on my site, so you can check him out. Um, so here we go. Um, I wanted to know who are the most leading game developers in Israel. And um, Israel's success is mostly around mobile games. The biggest publishers are Pletica, known from Slotomania, and owning other publishers like Wuga, Wuga in Germany, Berlin. There goes my German again. Uh, Plarium, Mid. Core Games, Ilion Casual, but is bought by Miniclip recently. Crazy Labs, it was used to be Taptail, Hyper Casual. Moon Active is Casual. There are over 50 others with smaller games. Well, he's already giving me an answer um, on any titles from Israel that we should know about, but um, he's giving a few more. Raid from Plarium, Coinmaster from Moon Active. They are in the news these days. Um, another item that will appear in some of the next episodes, it's about the investment climate per country. I want to uh, pay some attention to several countries around the globe and get to know how governments are actually um, supporting the games industry I read an article recently about New Zealand, um, how the government over there is saying that they support gaming, but in essence, um, it turns down to zero. Um, so yeah, how is the investment climate in Israel? Due to recent exits in the last few years, you would see more angels coming into the market. A few new VCs emerged to cater the market like Reimagine and Caden. The top investor, we all know, is Gigi Levy from NFX. Um, is the indie scene vibrant, meaning lots of new studios in Israel? Yes. Israel is a startup nation, and that echoes into the game market. There are also new schools with game development programs like Shankar and Tilton. Most new studios focus on mobile, but some go to PC and Nintendo Switch. Interesting also, development programs uh, in, in schools. Um, again, uh, a very interesting topic, something that I think should be done more and better in the schooling system uh, or systems around the globe. Um, anything special that we should know about and that is happening in Israel? concerning gaming. Israel's gaming market is new. It's data-oriented. It is affected by the broader high-tech market, both in terms of processes, funding, and goals. Israel is also expensive to live in, 
So a lot of the scale of development is done in Central Europe. Traditionally, Israel is more tech-oriented than content-oriented. And you can find uh, here the market leaders such as Iron Source, AppsFlyer, Singular, Fiber, keeping their headquarters and top management in Israel. Um, AppsFlyer, recently in the news, uh, raised a bunch load of funding, so doing really well. And Iron Source, if I'm correct, actually started a game studio. Um, any other relevant input that you would like to tell me about it? You have to get to Israel and see all these amazing publishers, indies and marketing talent at our Game IS yearly conference, which is on May the 6th, 2020. So Game IS, the conference on May 6th, 2020. If you would like to know more, go to gameisconf.com. Dot com. Obviously, the link will be on my site. Hey, Guy, thank you very much. And um, I'm taking up, up on your invite and um, showing up anytime soon in Israel. I want to thank you for answering these questions and um, talk soon. Cheers. So the last item already, again, the companies to watch on my watch list. Um, starting off by and with Utomic, utomic.com. Um, Doki Tops, CEO, I uh, did send him some questions and asked him like, hey, tell me more about Utomic. Utomic was founded by a great team of four who have been in the industry since 2005. Doki, Mark, Richard, and Rob, with a background in free-to-play, tech, MMO, and indie game development. It is a Netflix for, game, for games like gaming subscription service running on its own, instant play download technology, and started 2014, and are one of the pioneers of gaming subscription. Currently... 30 people within the company. You get 1,000 games in one subscription from all kinds of genres, ranging from classic AAA, Batman, Lego, Metro, to indie to casual and fresh day one uh, content, such as Chaos Bane and The Search. We curate our content, but an indie can apply too. So you have to go to utomic.com slash developers to apply for it. Getting onto our platform requires zero effort for developers. We are doing all the work. We can work with DRM free or Steam builds. We prefer Steam. We can ensure that features such as leaderboards, achievements, cloud saves and multiplayer all keep working within our platform as well. Utomic partners for promotion with the likes of HP, and has a U-Bundle concept where Utomic can get bundled into cloud gaming services or other subscription models. That's it. That sounds so very simple. So I know Utomic, they're from the Netherlands and um, I'm in Amsterdam and they are in the South. And um, I know Utomic for their great tech. And um, since uh, the last really 
12, 14 months when everyone is talking about cloud online streaming. I think they're in, a, in the right moment of time. Um, and I like it when they say, we're Netflix for games. Um, Doki, thank you very much. And keep me posted on things that are happening with your company. Next. Another special uh, company is uh, Carry First. Uh, I got introduced to uh, Cordell by a friend of mine who used to live in South America, but these days uh, living uh, in Tokyo, uh, Matthias. And um, so, Cordell, what is exactly Carry First? He's the co-founder of a leading mobile game publisher in Africa. Originally from Sierra Leone, um, his family had to fled to the U.S. during a civil war in the 90s. And through hard work and good fortune, as he calls it, he ended up at Stanford University and dedicated his life uh, to making major difference in his home country and broader African continent. He has spent his career in finance uh, to begin with, but most re recently he was helping to launch the first African private equity fund by a major global player, the Carlyle Group. group. Um, while working with the Carlyle uh, and living in Niger Nigeria, he became fascinated by the emerging tech startup scene and convinced of the immense opportunity in interactive mobile. Interesting. Um, lately, I'm being approached more and more by people that are looking into this continent, Africa. And talking to Cordell, I also found out that if you look at the whole continent, about four to 500 million people uh, have a first language, English. Um, he has become obsessed, in a positive way, <laughs> with trying to bridge the gap between the best digital content in the world and a massive, fast-growing and um, a fast and vibrant region that is deeply underserved. More about the company and its mission. Um, Carry First is on a mission to build the dominant mobile publisher in Africa, starting with games. We leverage propriety technology and local capabilities to scale the key distribution slash monetization challenges in our region. Our market has over 1.3 billion people. That's quite a lot, guys. In 2019, we self-published a number one game across three largest English-speaking markets. We won the award as the top media and entertainment solution in Africa by Apps Africa, sponsored by Tencent. And we were named one of the top 10 startups to watch by VentureBurn. We aim to be the Karina of Africa. And Karina obviously is an Asian company. Check it out, Google it, and learn more about it. Um, what to expect in 220? You can expect us to see us publish our first co-developed and third-party titles in Africa. And we will announce partnerships with some major players in the game industry. Uh, funding, tell me more about it. Our new funding will be used to enhance our platform technology 
and marketing teams, as well as provide a war chest to deploy for user acquisition to scale games we published this year. I sort of, sort of got between the lines that he is about to close or has closed a round of funding between two and three million. Cordell, tell me if that's the case or not. Um, as we, the gaming industry, how should we look at Africa, the continent and gaming? Africa is the youngest and fastest growing population in the world with an average age of 19 years old. In 225, there will be two times the number of smartphones connections in Africa than all of North America. And most importantly, Africa consumers love to have fun, socialize and play games as much as, <laughs> as much I would love to ergo that any other group of people that I have encountered across five continents. It's not a matter if gaming will explode, it's rather when. Interesting. Um, Cordell, thank you. I have the link on my site, Carry First. And for all the gaming people out there, do check it out if you think that Africa could be a potential for you. And obviously, Cordell can tell you how he can integrate your games in order to reach this amazing audience of 1.3 billion. The last of the three, Anzu. And um, first of all, special thanks to Natalia. She actually um, was in the CC when I did ask Itamar, the CEO, if he could answer some questions. So um, I got a very nice Word document back from her that... Um, it's quite extensive, <laughs> so um, I will get some highlights out of um, her explanation of um, Anzu, uh, Israeli company, and um, it started its operation in 2017 when Itamar teamed up with Ben Fenster, who is now the CPO, and Michael, the CTO. Um, they initiated a new age at platform for both brands and game developers. All three of us come from a long history of working into the ad tech and gaming space that I have to add. Um, at some point we realized that gaming had become an attractive space for digital advertisers, yet brands stayed away from fully exploring this medium because of intrusive ad nature and the lack of scalable tech solutions. Game developers, too, were reluctant to open their games to ads because of the fear of disrupting user experience. Um, I did ask him also about the company itself, like uh, culture, people. The answer I got is that Anzu is a fast-growing startup and we're all very passionate, passionate about what we do. On the tech side, we are always innovating to explore how we can best utilize cutting-edge technologies to better serve our clients. That's why the products we offer are in many ways unique than in the gaming space, the in-game space. I'm sorry for that. Whether it is full-stack solution, our patent-pending 3D ad tracker, or the battle-tested secure SDK. We are building solutions that support our vision of a better ecosystem. 
On the business front, we have forged a number of successful partnerships with well-known game studios and Fortune 500 brands, as well as got many industry leaders to join us as advisors to take us growth for, for, uh, forward. Um, interesting when we talk about uh, the offices, because I'm actually reading through it, and they say we opened offices in Israel and Germany, as well as expanded our operations to Europe and North America. Our passion has been recognized, winning us awards such like Sprocket, Best Monetization Company to 19, Viva Tech, Orange Lab to 19, Pocket Gamer Mobile Games Awards to 20, um, and a number of others. Ansu's growth has got the trust and backup of the industry giants, Bitcraft Esports Ventures, WPP, Axel Springer Digital Ventures, that led our round A of funding. I think they're in a good position. That's what they say. Okay, then answer me next. What makes Anzu so special? Well, Natalia did a good job. We are the pioneers in the in-game advertising market, offering technologies and services that were previously unavailable. With our blended advertising solution, we provide brands access to top console games that never showed ads before. In a market that consists mainly of static ad formats, we are bringing advanced ad units in IIB recognized formats and serve them, uh, making it scalable than before, programmatically making it scalable than before. That's how I should say it. We are the first in a new market to bring ad viewability in-game through our partnership, partnership with Sheck. Just a few weeks ago, Ansu announced collaboration with Forensic, the MRC-accredited ad fraud detection solution, to bring for the first time ad fraud detection in-game. Well done. Um, any of your clients... Well, basically, solid partnerships with top game developers, leading agencies, and brands. We have exclusive partnerships with game developers like Top Leads Productions and Vivid Games, who have integrated our technology in a number of their games across platforms. We've just published the results of our pilot campaign in collaboration with Sheck for a multinational consumer brand that saw a 23% increase in viability and compared to traditional digital advertising. We are proud of our wide networks of trusted third-party partners, Forensic, Check, eLeak, that already were mentioned, but also TrueOptic, the data management platform for console gaming. On the financial side, they're a bit careful. I can, <laughs> I can understand that. Um, Funding-wise, I just had that topic, to 20. How is it looking? It's an important year for us, and we're ready to conquer the world. Smiley. Of course you are. Enzo has already made some great uh, advancements with what we offer to the industry, and we continue to innovate. It's a pretty exciting time, uh, as we are in the 100% growth stage, and we're growing in all directions. We had a great, state, a great start of the year and we announced a collaboration with Vivid Games and Forensic and shared great results. More in the pipeline. Stay tuned, they say. So, obviously, 
keep me posted. Quick question for them, but that's actually, I did ask that question during the week, and we all know that GDC has been uh, delayed. But evidently, the employees' health and well-being is the utmost importance for the company. Um, with the recent GDC's announcement, the question is not that relevant. True. I um, I got to meet up with um, with Itamar through Guy, who I actually uh, had earlier in this episode, and uh, I have been following them for quite a while. And obviously, they have done really good job in in explaining who they are and what they do. Um, I'll uh, put the whole uh, script answers that Natalia has given me on my website. Uh, in the beginning of this week and you can read up on it and obviously uh, check them out on the link onzu.io Thanks Itamar and Natalia for uh, helping me with these questions So that was all for uh, this week, um, but I'm not letting you go before I actually um, wanted to say something about what I read on LinkedIn. Uh, David, the co-CEO of uh, ASL, he, um, he posted an article and said, Katowice to 20, no visitors allowed inside. Heartbreaking, but safety first. The show goes on. The team doubled the, end, uh, the efforts to deliver epic content. Awesome to watch on the usual platforms. And um, I did ask him, um, what do you expect in the next weeks or months? Um, because, yeah, this is just one event. But um, uh, what to expect? Uh, he did answer. We will continue to bring our employees, players, and visitors safety first and adapt to the new situation around the world. Esports can adjust very fast. The digital broadcast for IEM Katowice is breaking all audience record, despite uh, all the 11th hour odds. So good for ASL, good for Katowice. Um, and um, interesting enough, also good for esports that you can watch it uh, on any given platform. So. Um, I want to thank you all for listening today. Um, I think I'm coming more and more to a format that I'm actually liking, going quickly through the notes that I'm getting from people. Um, uh, obviously, I'm getting a lot of info that I can't actually use because otherwise this podcast would take three hours. Um, but I do hope that you like that I'm basically covering things that I'm seeing on LinkedIn. You might have seen it too, um, but sometimes I'm responding, getting uh, interesting feedback, which I will then use in my podcast. For now, I want to thank you all on a Sunday, March the 1st. And um, again, give me feedback. I love it. I'm always responsive, as you can see. And uh, a next episode next week. Ciao for now.
was all for today. Thanks so much for listening to Game Consultant. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. And remember, do share this podcast with other members of the games industry.